So despite how rich you might be, despite how happy you might be, despite how much of an impact you might be having, you are always limited by how healthy you are. Like it or not, you, me, and everyone else, we all have a relationship with money. And for the most part, it's a complicated one. My name's Sean Maslick. Welcome to the Most Hated F Word Podcast. As a certified financial planner, I want to take you on a journey as we throw out the technical finance books and shift our focus towards our minds, our money, and what matters most. If you're looking to improve your relationship with money and build true wealth, you're in the right spot. Finances does not need to be the most hated F word. Welcome back to the Most Hated Effort Podcast. I am delighted you are back this week as we have a fantastic guest, Sachin Patel, talking about why your health is wealth. Before we get into the episode, if you could share your favorite episode from the Most Hated Effort Podcast with a family, friend, or colleague, that would be fantastic. It really does help spread the word. So who is Sachin? Sachin is a father, husband, a functional medicine practice, success coach, speaker, author, plant medicine advocate, and so much more. Sachin also founded the Living Proof Institute, which really takes a new perspective on health, one that's in partnership where the patient and the practitioners have patient-centered healthcare perspectives. And we'll get into more of the techniques, the strategies they use, and a lot of them you'll see through the conversation are practical that we can start implementing right away. So during this conversation, we start out talking about how despite how much money you have, how rich, I have air quotes when I say that, how rich you are, you are ultimately limited by how healthy you are. And it's interesting that we often trade our health for wealth. We have busy schedules, demanding schedules, and at least I know for myself, at times, I'm not always caring for my body, which ultimately impacts my health. As we know, our current medical system focuses on healing us after we become sick, which at times is very, very important. Sachin is a big proponent of prevention. And as you'll hear during the episode, he takes this idea of prevention even further and calls it creation on how we can create healthy lifestyles. This idea of creation really spoke to me, and I appreciate Sachin coming on to share what he means by creating a healthy life, because I think we all aspire to have this healthy life, and we're so fortunate to have Sachin come on the show to share with us. It was interesting when Sachin started talking about the doctor of the future is going to be you, us, me, the patient. And he even shows how, or talks about how, Doctors are going to be outnumbered by sick people in the future. So us, the patient, we're going to have a bigger responsibility to understand our bodies, our health. And then Sachin really gets into some interesting tips and suggestions of what he calls affordable low-hanging fruit techniques that can really help transform your health. He talks about them later towards the end of the podcast, and a lot of them are simple but yet really impactful when we want to transform our health. And Sachin talks about doing these low-hanging fruits can help us shift from a fight-and-flight state to a repair and regeneration state. During the interview, you'll hear Sachin talk about this quote that really stuck with me, love yourself to life. I hope you enjoy this fascinating conversation with Sachin Patel. And at the end, 
he'll offer up a couple different programs that we can participate in to see what Sachin's up to. He has a 30 and 30 program. The link is in the show notes. And we have a link to the My Metabolic Reset site that Sachin provided us with. Enjoy. Sachin, welcome to the show. Hey, Sean, thank you. I first saw you on the front row or heard about you on the front row dad's podcast. And then uh, I was curious and I was looking into your work. And then you uh, did a day long presentation with front row dad's community. And your, your perspective about health really, really attracted me to your work. But your genuine concern to share your information to us was what really, really spoke to me. And I just felt this level of a desire to help other people with what seemed absolutely no strings attached. So I I really want to say that I observed that from you. So thank you for that. Thank you. I appreciate that. So why I thought it was important to have you on this conversation is to talk about health and wealth. I have a story that is far too often, it repeats itself with different characters in the story. But this one in particular, it's someone who is in my personal life, who had had a job, worked for his family, did a really good job, working, saving, building income for retirement, raised a wonderful family, but work was the primary focus and uh, work got a little demanding towards the end of the career. And unfortunately, health changed. And as retirement came closer, he had to retire sooner due to health concerns. And unfortunately, when he did retire, health showed up again in a negative way where his uh, wife ended up passing away. And so the reason why I tell this story is it's one I hear very often is that we are programmed to some degree to focus on this wealth at all costs, at the cost of our health. And I want to get your perspective on a podcast I heard you talk about this concept where their title was Wealthy versus Wealthy. And the second wealthy is spelled W-E-L-L-T-H-Y. So Sasha, maybe let's start there. What is wealthy versus wealthy for you? Yeah, as you know, an easy way to help people understand this is to realize that your health, your H-E-A-L-T-H, your health is really the foundation and the ceiling of your life. So it's the basis upon which we can build an amazing life and it's deterministic in what our potential is. And that potential is in who we become as a human being, the amount of money that we earn, the amount of impact and the type of impact that we have in the world. So it really sets the stage for what we can accomplish And what's interesting about health is you can never be earning a 10 out of 10 income of what your potential is if you have 7 out of 10 health. So despite how rich you might be, despite how happy you might be, despite how much of an impact you might be having, you are always limited by how healthy you are. Because how healthy you are determines your physical uh, capabilities and contributions, your emotional capabilities and contribution, your problem-solving skills, you know, all of those things are dependent on how healthy you are. So health is uh, truly wealth and wealth is, is health in many ways, right? We, and, and we have to also learn to redefine uh, what wealthy means and what rich means. So I always tell people, listen, you can become rich in a moment by just simply changing the value of the things that you own and the things that, you know, you have in your possession or in your environment, right? So, you know, money is only valuable because we attribute value to it, right? So richness and you know wealth, we could attribute to other things. We could attribute them to how much free time we have, how happy we are, you know, how positive and you know, fruitful our relationships are, 
our friendships are, right? So there's ways that we could redefine wealth, which to me is also very important because, you know, in, in our business coaching, one of the things that we teach is, is five key freedoms. And the first one is physical health. The next one is emotional health. The third one is geographic freedom. Fourth one is time freedom. And the fifth one is financial freedom. And I always tell people, listen, if you don't have good health, then you're essentially a prisoner in your own life. And you're confined by the limitations of how healthy you are and how happy you are. And that obviously determines how productive you are. So when I work with entrepreneurs, when I coach them, the first thing we focus on, even in my business coaching, we focus not on their funnels, not on their landing pages, you know, not on the tactics and the strategies. We focus on how do I get you as healthy as possible because the healthiest version of you is going to be able to create the absolute best business that you're capable of. So we always start there. And then another simple visual, you know, I believe Mother Nature has had billions of years of history before we came along as human beings. And it's learned very important mathematical principles and concepts that essentially are metaphoric for, for life. And so one of the things that you can do next time you're out for a walk, which I'll be doing shortly after this conversation, is you can take a look at a tree and just stand there and observe the tree. And what you'll notice is that the widest part of the tree, the biggest, thickest part of the tree is the trunk. And all the branches coming off of the trunk are smaller than the trunk. And if the tree tried to grow any of those branches bigger than the trunk, what would happen to the tree? The tree would split in half. And that's how most people live their life. They try to grow a business bigger than they're trying to grow themselves. They try to grow any aspect of their life bigger than the trunk and the tree is going to split in half. So that trunk is representative of how healthy and happy and whole we are as a human being. And then every branch coming off of that trunk is a representation of all the desires that we're trying to accomplish in our life, whether it's relationships, whether it's business, you know, whether it's material gain, whatever it might be, it all comes off of that central trunk. Now, there's only one way to grow every single branch of that tree, and it's to grow the trunk first. And if you grow the trunk sufficiently, then the sum of the branches is going to be much greater than the trunk itself. And so it's such a beautiful metaphor for our health, for what we're actually capable of when we're living in balance. And we follow this key principle of nothing can grow on its own bigger than the trunk, but collectively if we grow the trunk, the whole is so much greater than the sum of the parts. Wow, I, I love those two. Well, the two ones that are just imprinted on my mind is the five pillars. And I, I missed one. Physical, emotional, geographical, time. And, and financial. Finan <laughs> really, really like those five pillars. Because, I mean, if we look at the wheel of life, people use forever. If we don't have one of those, we're not going to be feeling so good about ourselves. But I want to talk about this tree for a second. As you're talking about this tree, what spoke to me about this metaphor is, of course, building that foundation, but going slow to some degree. And what I mean by that is, for me, at least, I speak from experience. Sometimes I have an idea and this idea of, oh, I need to make it bigger than myself gets me trying to go fast and create it fast. And then <laughs> I, I just picture my lopsided tree with huge branches and very small trunks. So this tree, for me at least, really made me think also about time, like the time it takes to properly build 
that tree so it can support all the facets of my life. So thank you for sharing the tree example. Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the nice thing about a tree is that, you know, it grows a little bit every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It doesn't all grow at once and then stop growing one year, all of a sudden it continues to grow every single year, every single year, the, and, until it starts moving into its stages of death, but it's going to grow every single year and new branches, more leaves, right? Deeper roots every single year. Yeah. Wow. Okay. It's just really hitting me because there's an, there's that quote. I can't remember who said, it. I think it was someone from IBM, but they said people overestimate what they can accomplish in a year, but underestimate what they accomplish in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Back to this idea of being strong and like a tree trunk and going slow is you're still moving forward. But when adversity comes in life, which happens, you've got a strong foundation to deal with whatever life brings you. Yeah. Actually, that reminds me, uh, not to get too tangential, but that no, actually reminds me of, a, of a, a project that they did where they created this perfect ecosystem inside a dome and they had trees growing there. And after the trees got to a certain height, the branches started falling off of the trees and they couldn't figure out why that was happening because these trees, when they grow outside of this, this perfect ecosystem, they flourish. But what they realized is within that dome, there was no wind. Mm-hmm. And without wind, the branches didn't have the stimulus to get stronger. So the wood in the, in, the, in the branches wasn't as strong as it should be. So the branches would start falling off. So adversity is, is what strengthens us. It, it's what actually hardens us in many ways. And uh, you know, dealing with adversity is, is an important understanding of how we can grow because without adversity, those leaves or those branches could only grow so much. And then when they grew beyond, because they didn't have the ability to handle the stress that was associated with the the branches getting bigger, they didn't have the stimulus all along, they would fall off. Wow, that's super interesting. And so we go back to your five components uh, after hearing that is for a lot of, and there's, this is an observation, not a criticism, but a lot of financial books, money books, it's going to focus on that one branch and Typically, we don't talk about the adversity side, like the one branch out of your five pillars, the financial. But when I think of adversity in life, it happens often and when we don't want it to happen. But when we have that wind or that adversity, but we're also growing branches in the physical domain, emotional domain, geographical, and and we have some time slack in our life, I feel like we just have such a better psychological resilience bank account built so that we can handle the larger winds of life that come in. I love this tree example. <laughs> and it can even be related to money tree that people talk about. But <laughs> That's so true. In your bio, you talked about, I pointed up because your bio is on my screen right here, but uh, you talked about how the doctor of the future is the patient. And I found a quote that seems like it would be written in the last, say, 10 years, but it's actually written, I, I don't know exactly when, sometime in 19, probably 15 to 30, 1930. And it goes like this, the doctor of the future will give no medication but will interest his patients in the care of human frame, diet, and the cause and prevention of disease. That's from Thomas Edison. So, Sashin, why don't you share with us, where did that belief come for yourself, and what significant does it play for you personally, your practice, and so forth? Yeah, absolutely. So, it's such a great question, Sean, and something that you know I reflect on often, because what we're experiencing now is, a, is a, basically a, a renaissance in medicine, you know, with the decentralization and essentially democratization 
of information. People now have access to data and knowledge that they never did before. In fact, they have access to so much information just even in the last few years that they never did before that chances are they can learn more about a particular topic than their doctor could possibly learn. Because unless they learn it in school or have a deep desire to learn about a specific medical condition, you know, many practitioners may not have the bandwidth or the time or the ability to go as deep as a client would trying to solve their own problem. And so we need to, as practitioners, start realizing that instead of doctoring our patients, it's better that if we can teach them how to doctor themselves, then we can actually solve the problem that society is facing right now, right? Right now, there aren't enough doctors to help all the sick people. They'd outnumber us significantly. So the solution is never going to be, hey, you know, come, come to me, let me fix you. We could only help so many people doing that, right? There simply aren't enough of us. So the real solution needs to be, how can we teach people how to take better care of themselves? As, as Edison said himself, right? We're going to interest people in how to take care of their body and in the prevention of illness. Now, I would take that a step further. And instead of the doctor having that interest, how about the patient themselves have that interest in their own health, right? The knowledge that doctors used to be able to acquire only through medical school, that information is free now. You don't even have to go to school to get access to more information than you could possibly access in medical school. Medical school is great for experience, but the internet outpaces medical school in terms of the knowledge that a person can acquire. So we need to start partnering with our clients and teach them how to be their own best doctors. There's now wearable technology. In fact, I wear a ring on my finger every day and it tells me how well I slept, how many breaths I took while I was sleeping, my heart rate, my heart rate variability, how many times I woke up at night, you know, it tells me my body temperature. So I can collect very powerful insights about myself and hook up right to my phone and see if what I'm doing is working and help me move in the right direction. So I do believe that as practitioners, we can provide people with the training wheels that they need, you know, the things that they need to pay attention to and the methodologies that they need to implement, but it's not up to us to heal them. It's up to them to be able to heal themselves. So the technology exists in order for us to do that. And there's also testing that exists in order for us to be able to individually optimize people's health. So what we believe in in our practice is A, that the doctor of the future is patient, and that B, it's important that we teach them how to do that. The word doctor actually means teacher. So, you know, we need to teach our clients how they can become their own best doctor, and then they can keep themselves and their family healthy. Now, I'm not a big fan of prevention. I'm a big fan of creation. So think about it from in the terms of business, right? You would never have a bankruptcy plan, right? You would have a business plan. So you would not be operating a business out of the idea that, hey, we're operating this business to prevent bankruptcy. No, you're operating this business to create an impact and make a profit, right? right. You would never say, hey, you would say, I'm getting married to this person, right? You would not say, I'm preventing divorcing this person, <laughs> right? Yeah. So our health strategy, however, it sounds silly when we talk about it in the context of getting married or running a business, but that's how our health strategy is, right? There's over 10,000 different diagnoses that you can find in the, in the diagnosis manuals. How many different diets are you going to eat, right? How many, like, you can't eat a different diet to prevent 
you know, different diseases, there is one diet that's right for us individually. So what we do in our practice as well is, is for those people that are interested in taking their health to a whole new level is we come up with a health creation strategy and give them a lifestyle design. So we provide them with a wearable tech like the Aura Ring that helps us track daily improvements and gives them a short feedback loop. Instead of lab testing every 90 days, they have a feedback loop every single day. So we know what's working and what isn't working, right? And the insights that they get are extremely valuable because they can change their meal timing and see how it affects them. They can have a glass or two of wine and see how it affects them. You know, they can go change their, you know, uh, wake up time and bedtime and see how that affects them. They can put on a pair of blue blocking glasses and see how that affects them. One of our mutual friends, John, I had him, I challenged him to turn the lights out for three days. So no artificial lighting for three days and his sleep went through the roof. We can give people specific guidelines and instructions where they can measure, you know, and get real-time data to know that what they're doing is actually working in a very non-invasive way. The other thing that we need to do is we need to help people understand how to partner with their bodies when it comes to being healthy. Most of us unknowingly fight our bodies every single day. We fight our biology, we fight our anatomy, we fight our physiology. And a simple example, a crude example, and I talk about poop because everyone poops, is that if you sit on a toilet, you're probably pooping wrong. And so you actually ideally would sit in a squatting position. And so putting something as simple as a squatty potty or just a stool underneath your feet to elevate your knees above your hips actually puts your pelvis in the correct anatomical position to go to the bathroom every day. So most people sitting on a toilet with their knees at the same level as their hips are actually fighting themselves every day to go to the bathroom. Okay, So simple things that people can do can make such a profound difference. And now they're actually partnering with their anatomy. They're partnering with their environment. They're partnering with their physiology. And they're getting such amazing results in such a short period of time because getting healthy is like rolling a boulder down a hill. Okay. It's actually not hard. It's actually one of the easiest things for us to do if we know what to do. If we don't know what to do, it can be one of the hardest things and one of the most manipulative journeys that we'll ever go on because everyone thinks that they have the right answer for us when in reality, the answers all come from inside. When the leaves grow on a tree, they don't grow from the outside, right? There aren't little elves gluing the leaves on the tree. It all comes from the inside. It all comes from within. So our health you know, essentially emerges from within as a result of interacting with our environment. So if I create the right environment for a tree, the right soil, the right sunlight, the right amount of carbon dioxide and oxygen and nitrogen in the air, then guess what? The tree grows, but it always grows from the inside out, not from the outside in. And our medical system is designed to make us think that either we have too many body parts or that something from the outside is going to come and fix us when in reality, all health emerges from inside. So we teach people how to get all the way down to the cellular level to improve the function of every cell tissue organ and system in their body. So the way we do that is by actually shifting the state of their nervous system and getting them from fight or flight, which is how most people live, and moving them into a state of what we call uh, parasympathetic. And so when they're parasympathetic, they're in a state of rest, digest, repair, rejuvenate, restore, and reproduce everything that people want, but they can never achieve that state and function of health if they're in fight or flight all the time. 
In fact, uh, you know, interesting fun fact, Sean, when we're in fight or flight, about 5% of our blood goes to our liver and kidneys. When we're in a state of rest and digest, 50% of our blood goes to our liver and kidneys. So we actually have 10 times more blood flow to our liver and kidneys when we're in a relaxed state versus being in a stressed out state. So if I want someone to detoxify better, I don't give them pills or shakes, right? Or supplements or medications. The first thing, the most effective thing that I can do is get more blood going to these organs. And one of the ways that I can do that is to get them to shift into a state of relaxation. This is why within a few days of being on vacation, people feel amazing. And this is also why a few days before having to head back home, they don't feel so amazing <laughs> because they know what awaits them, right? Their genetics didn't change. Their diet probably didn't change that much, but their purpose and why they woke up that morning changed. And so by changing, by making these subtle changes and observations, we can realize how powerful we are at healing ourselves and the capability that we all have to heal ourselves when we create the right environment in order for us to thrive in. And so, you know, the, the number one and two reason people are still, you know, unfortunately passing away are preventable illnesses, right? So one is cancer and then number one, uh, or number two is cancer and number one is heart disease. Now, what's really interesting is one of the main organs that helps us shift or one of the main muscles that helps us shift from fight or flight into a state of relaxation is our diaphragm. And our diaphragm helps us breathe correctly. Now, what's interesting about the diaphragm is the diaphragm is also known as the second heart. So when you have a strong diaphragm and when it's moving correctly, your heart actually gets help and your blood pressure normalizes because your heart doesn't have to pump as hard because as your diaphragm moves up and down, it's essentially assisting the heart in circulation. Okay. All disease starts because of a lack of circulation. So that's the diaphragm. The other thing the diaphragm does is underneath the diaphragm, you have the largest lymph nodes in the body. And the lymph is where is essentially the sewage system of the body. And so remember, everything depends on circulation. So these lymph nodes, if we don't breathe correctly, then these lymph nodes don't get pumped and that waste starts to accumulate. And as a result, things like cancer start to develop. And where do cancers develop? They don't happen in, you don't get finger cancer, right? Or toe cancer. You get cancer in the organs of the trunk because most people are not breathing correctly. They're not moving that lymph. They're not assisting their heart in proper pumping and circulation of blood and of lymph. And the main organ, the main system to do that is the respiratory system, mainly the diaphragm. Now, what's also cool about the diaphragm is when we breathe correctly, we can shut off that fight or flight response and put our body into a state of rest, digest, repair, rejuvenate, regenerate, restore, and reproduce, which is, again, the goals that people have. So something as simple as changing the way you breathe lowers your risk of cardiovascular disease. You know, number one reason right now why people are being hospitalized, number one comorbidity with COVID is actually hypertension. So we can actually change how people breathe right? So that you have so many people that are on multiple hypertension medications and they take one medication, take the next one, take the next one. Well, if all they did was learn how to breathe, their hypertension would disappear because they would shift their nervous system from being in fight or flight to being in rest and digest. So that naturally is going to bring blood pressure down. 
and their diaphragm would be working properly to assist the heart so it doesn't have to pump as hard and create as much pressure to get the blood moving through it. So, you know, it's to me, it's like such a low-hanging fruit. When a person is born, we pay attention. Are they breathing? Yes. Okay, great. And then when they're dying, are they breathing? No. Okay. You know, they've moved on and nobody talks about it in between. And it's the lowest hanging fruit. I mean, think about this. How long can you go without breathing? Just a few minutes, right? You can go without eating for days, uh, weeks in some cases. You can go without drinking any water for a few days, but you can't go without breathing for more than just a few minutes. So why is it that we don't really pay attention to how people are breathing? So simple things that we do is help our clients find these extremely low hanging opportunities, help them understand how it's correlated to everything that ails them and why they're coming in to see us. And then instead of doing invasive and expensive lab testing and putting them on expensive supplement protocols, we teach them how to use their billion dollar body first. You know, there's no supplement for poor breathing. There's no supplement for not spending time in nature. There's no supplement for a toxic relationship. There's no supplement for poor communication skills. There's no supplement for being exposed to toxic blue light all day. There's no supplement for sitting all day and not moving around and being active, right? So the main culprits that are causing illness, you're not going to find the solution in a bottle. You're going to find the solution in lifestyle. And that's why it's important that people understand that they can't out-supplement you know, the major causes and contributors to their poor health, or maybe not even poor health, but suboptimal health, right? Our focus is always prevention. And there's a huge gap between optimal health and disease. Your prevention strategy could be working just fine if you're like 1% away from a disease state. Hey, it's working. Mm -hmm. But what I start the question is how far away are we from optimal, from our full human potential, right? Most people's health journeys actually result from an illness, right? They mm -hmm. get sick and then they try to get healthy. So they've already capped how well they're going to be. It's never too late to start, but let's say somebody starts their human optimization strategy when they're 50 versus somebody starts it when they're five, right? So my son has been on a human optimization protocol, if you will, since the day he was born. Mm. And he's never been sick. He's never been to the hospital. He doesn't have a pediatrician. He had the sniffles once, I think, in his, in his, he's only missed like one day of school and not because he was sick, but we didn't want to get anyone else, you know, sick or anything like that. And, and so that's possible for all of us. Okay, like myself, I've only missed one day of work in my 16 year career. And so I know what's possible for us when we're on the path to optimization. And, and I would still say that I'm nowhere close to my full optimization or optimal potential because it's so uh, vast, right? What that potential is. But I know that I'm doing things on a daily basis to move me in that direction. And, and there's such low hanging fruit that anyone can do it without much cost and without certainly ongoing cost, right? It might cost you uh, some money to hire someone to teach you these things. But once you know it, it's not like you have to keep changing the protocol, mm -hmm. right? It's not like you're going to learn something like this and be like, you know what? That's all wrong. I need to go back to doing it the way it was. No, these are timeless truths that will be relevant to you for the rest of somebody's life. So why not learn them when you're healthy or when you're closer to, you know, being healthy and see what the potential is instead of waiting until somebody gets sick and then going to the doctors, doctors telling them nothing can be done, diet doesn't mean anything, exercise doesn't mean anything, sleep doesn't matter, 
right? All these low hanging fruits, how you breathe out, that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Right. And, And then they find an alternative practitioner who might try to supplement them back to health, which can work at times and for a short period of time. And then they find the truth, which Mm -hmm. is health was inside me all along, but nobody taught me how to activate these healing centers in my body. Wow. Thank you. I've got a few things down here and I like your perspective and I could see how, again, it aligns with the patient being the future doctor. A couple of things I want to focus on. You use the word training wheels. So you give them the patient, the training wheels, and then you also said partnering with your anatomy. But I, I also looked at it as partnering with a profession of some sort, like yourself are the ones that you you coach. Because as I'm sitting here and I've got arthritis in my hips, well, I've been told I have arthritis in my hips and I like to run. I like to do Ironmans, which seems like a silly one when you have arthritis in your hips. <laughs> but this idea of training wheels stuck out to me, partnering. And then because I wrote it here, but basically you said, there's, you talk, there's a lot of information out there. And as someone like for myself, I'm curious because I went and saw a doctor and I don't want to pick at what he told me because that's all right, but he said, don't run. And then I seen other things and I've seen other things. And then I almost got a cognitive overload. Like, what is the correct thing? Like, I want to listen to this other person who said, you know what, if you're staying thin, then you're, you're not heavy and you're not putting stress on your joints. And that's good. So we don't need to stay on the arthritis, but more so, how can someone like me who is interested in optimizing our healthy living, but really feels like they need training wheels. They really need this partnering, but wants to discover how I can become this, uh, myself, the doctor of myself. Like, where do we go to get the information, the trusted information? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's exactly what we do in our, in our uh, programs is we help our clients and we partner with them. We put them on a metabolic optimization program where we use food, we use lighting, we use sound and music, we use breath work, we use their environment and nature, we use their anatomy, we use sleep, and we use uh, proper mindset, and we use certain foods to help them shift into that parasympathetic state. That's the first domino that needs to fall. So we need people to shift from fight or flight into a state of repair and regeneration, okay? And so that's, that's the first domino that needs to fall. The next domino that needs to fall is we need to lower insulin. And so insulin is something that will increase inflammation in our body, increases aches and pains, increases cholesterol, increases blood pressure, accelerates the aging process, and it throws off our hormones. In men, it turns their testosterone into estrogen. In women, high levels of insulin will turn their estrogen into testosterone. So it basically creates imbalances in our hormones as well. And so we want to lower insulin levels in order to help the person heal faster and find, you know, that stable point. The other thing that we want to do is we want to strategically use fasting to increase something called autophagy. Autophagy is when our body starts killing off the uh, old and senescent cells. The cells that are no longer serving us are then kind of chewed up and ground up and recycled, if you will. The materials are recycled. And so we can radically reduce inflammation through diet, through meal timing, and also by you know, allowing that autophagy process to occur. So that's a big one for a lot of our clients. And then the third domino that needs to fall is our circadian rhythm. Our circadian rhythm is deterministic in our psychological healing and our physical repair and healing. It also determines the hormones that we produce and the foods that we're going to crave as well. 
just bringing this full circle. So when we wake up in the morning, our brain requires adequate amounts of light, particularly sunlight. So even on a cloudy day, it's a good idea to get outside for five to 10 minutes because that's going to raise something called dopamine. Dopamine is our neurotransmitter that helps us get motivated, stay focused, and to feel a sense of reward. Uh, What we also have high levels of in the morning is cortisol. Cortisol will naturally raise our blood sugar and that helps us get through the morning so that we could, you know, start our day. When we don't make adequate amounts of dopamine and cortisol in the morning, then we start craving things later on in the day. And sometimes these foods can be pro-inflammatory. So typically we'll crave sugary foods and we'll crave fatty foods because these foods will raise dopamine, which is what sunlight should have done for us in the morning. So it deficiency of adequate sunlight and information from the sun actually changes the foods it will crave and our you know choices later on in the day which those can be disruptive to our hormones as well and then the other thing that we need to do is we need to make sure that we're getting a proper wind down time in the evening so i'm not perfect at this because sometimes i have webinars and interviews and things like that in the evening but we want to try to stop consuming i've been better about this actually So it used to be that I would eat my food after my last meeting if I had a webinar. So sometimes my last meeting might be at 8.30 and I'm going to bed around 9.30, 10-ish. So that was too close to bedtime for me. And so now what I do is I make it a point to eat before my meetings, at least an hour before that seven o'clock meeting, sometimes even two hours before, so that I'm not eating something about five hours before bedtime. So we can adjust our meal timing and that can make a big difference in our circadian rhythm. But in addition to reducing food intake, we want to reduce light intake. So light is actually food for our eyes. So we think of, you know, food for our bodies, which goes into our mouth, but there's also food for our ears, which is sound. There's food for our nervous system, which is sense and touch, right? There's food for our eyes, which is light. And just like there can be junk food, there's also junk lighting. And so the average human being used to sleep, and going back to Edison here, the average human being used to sleep 10 hours a night before Edison invented the light bulb. And now the average human being sleeps less than seven hours a night. And the problem with that is those are three hours of less healing, less repair, less regeneration, more stress, more anxiety, and more degeneration. So when we use you know proper lighting that reestablishes a healthy circadian rhythm. When we use nutrition and meal timing appropriately, we balance our insulin levels. Okay. And then when we shift from fight or flight into rest and relax and repair, regenerate, repair and restore, I'm sorry, then we now shift our entire nervous system into a state of healing and regeneration. So those three things are so powerful at getting people's health to move in the right direction. And it's typically within days, people will notice a difference. Now, depending on how longstanding the issue is and how significant the inflammation is, sometimes people with the most amount of inflammation see the biggest difference. In fact, uh, one of my clients, her client, had an amazing story. In two weeks, he lost 38 pounds and completely got rid of all of his low back pain because he was holding on to all this inflammatory weight. So all this water in his body was being retained in order to put out the fire of inflammation in his body. And once we got rid of that, the weight just literally started melting off of his body. 
and the water started dumping and the pain started going away. And this is somebody who was taking several doses of medication every single night. And within a couple of weeks, it's all completely gone because he's partnering with his body instead of partnering with a pill bottle. Mm, wow. When you were talking about the, the three focuses there and you, you touched on wind down, I recall from your session with front door dads, you talked about putting lamps on the floor in the evening and turning off the lights above. My wife and I did it for a little bit. And I remember that evening we did it and also scratching my tongue. I got, you got me doing that, but, uh, <laughs> We, we started chatting and the sun went down and there was a little light and we we're like, oh, what? we just started talking and then the sun went down and it was dark. And we're like, it's got to be like 1030. And it was like 850 or something like that. And we were like, it was incredible how restful we were. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it worked a lot. And, but now I'm talking about this. It's so interesting how there's so many correlations between what you're saying. And, and again, my, my focus around money is more on the well-being side and what it can do for our overall help. At least for me, I have a no, I don't have enough knowledge in this field. And that's why I, I'm happy to have you on the call. And actually I did speak to Dr. Donnie. Um, is it Ricky? Ricky. Ricky. Rar, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And I need to reconnect, but in my field and I speak from probably your field, there's gotta be this gap between knowledge and doing. And for example, I had the greatest experience with this wind down with this, like the low lights but I'm not consistent at it. <laughs> what have you seen for your patients on implementing this? Even the tongue scratching, you, you had talked really about how I think it stimulates the vagus nerve and it's good mm-hmm. for you. I was doing it and I just stopped. So what, what have you seen to help people? Like, and maybe it's just, they need to get to it, but um, I think it's in all realms of life where we, we, have, we know what to do, but we just, we aren't good at doing it sometimes. Yeah, you know what? Like one, one thing is accountability. Mm. So being accountable, knowing that I've got to report if I did these things to somebody the next yeah. day and without judgment, they're going to nudge me in the right direction. That's usually what helps. It takes some time to develop habits. So for me, I've been tongue scraping without knowing the benefits. I've been tongue scraping my entire life because that's just how we grew up. And my son, I don't have to remind him to scrape his tongue. He just knows that that's just like every time he brushes his teeth, that's the next thing that comes after that. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things that just becomes almost second nature. And so I like to stack habits. So it's easy. If I said, hey, go sc- scrape your tongue at random times of the day, it's probably not going to happen. But if we stack it with brushing your teeth, then that's pretty easy, right? And, you know, sometimes it might even help to buy a device. I don't know if you did or not, but it might even help to buy a device. So you can get a copper tongue scraper and you just keep it right next to your toothbrush So every time you brush your teeth, you know, okay, this comes afterwards. So you stack that habit on top. And then the other thing is, is having an accountability partner. So it sounds like your wife and you would both, were both benefiting from the wind down routine. And now it's just a matter of holding each other accountable to it. And then also having a plan B. So let's say you do want to watch your favorite TV show. What's the plan B? The plan B might be getting glasses, you know, like blue blocking glasses that actually block out the blue light. So you've got somewhat of a happy medium. So you don't feel like you're missing out or you're not dealing with FOMO. You you don't feel like you're punishing yourself by doing this. You have a happy medium in between. So that Mm -hmm. could be one way is finding a bridge and finding a biohack as Dave Asprey would call it Mm -hmm. so that you can have your cake and eat it too in some ways. Mm -hmm. I'm currently doing a master's in positive psychology and the psychology of coaching. And... I, I, and we're integrating like financial well-being within it. But 
your work and your perspective really hits on two key elements in the research and one around well-being. There's a concept that was first produced by Albert Bender about self-efficacy, which basically is the idea that we have the belief that we can have the capacity to, to some degree, control the thoughts, feelings, and beliefs that we hold inside of ourselves. And I believe that's really true in building like psychological resiliency, confidence, so that you can tackle the difficult tasks in life. And I think from a money perspective, this building the self-efficacy is really important. But I'm hearing a lot of that through, through your work is, again, the doctor of the future is the patient. And I, I, I want to make this observation that I really think that you're also creating through this work that you're doing such a level of psychological confidence that people must get. And you must see that all the time that allows them to continue like one win and increasing it. But there must be this level of confidence that, you know, you can't really measure, but you must sense it. So that's one thing I want to talk about or see your opinion. The other one is on the psychology of coaching. It's really eliciting like the, the client is the, the profession about themselves, similar to exactly what you're saying. Where lots of coaching world I've been exposed to is like, I'm telling you what to do. Do this, do this, eat this, eat this, do this, do this. And yeah, I just think it's really, really neat that your work is really aligning with this research-based academic material that I'm going through. So I don't know if you want to make a comment on the self-efficacy or the importance that you've seen from a psychological perspective from your clients. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so huge, right? Believing in ourselves, believing that we are capable and discovering that is such a powerful discovery at any age, whether it's in your 20s, whether it's in your 50s or even in your 70s, that, hey, I'm responsible and have been responsible for my health all along. And it's actually a lot simpler and easier than I thought. So we like to use the compound effect. So instead of just focusing on one thing where it's binary, did you follow your diet today? Yes or no. And then it's, you know, all or none type of uh, outcomes. We like to focus on giving them you know, 10 or 12 different things that they can do each day. We call them the daily dozen that gives them opportunities to win at every corner throughout the day. So that helps build up their uh, psychology, helps build up their, you know, their confidence that they're following on, following along with the program. They're less likely to completely fall off, right? So if you didn't eat right today, you could have at least pooped right today, right? <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't think right today, you could at least sleep right today, right? There's there's so many ways that they can compensate and, and make up for it. And I think that also helps as well because most programs and systems are centered around one focus. And as soon as somebody falls off the wagon, they're just like completely you know, off the rails. Whereas with a system like this, they're surrounded by community members. They're surrounded by you know loving coaches and support teams. They also have uh, so many different ways that they can win and be and also be held accountable to the degree that they want to be. So it, it really, we really tried to touch on, you know, all the different elements of how to get them to heal and, and feel like not just that they're healing, but they're winning at the same time. Oh, yeah. At the end here, I'd, I'd love to, for you to explain where people can hear more about the work you're doing. Some of the, I don't know how it works because you're working with the practitioner. So sharing how people can access these practitioners. Before we get to there, my last question, which a consistent question I ask with just different elements per the guest. But in your bio, I noticed you said that when it was describing who you are, it said you're a father and husband before anything else. Those were the first two words. I want to focus on the father side. 
let's say that you're at life's end and whatever that age is, if you've been able to optimize it beyond life expectancy, which is not the point of this, but I'm sure it would be. But uh, let's say you're anywhere you are in the world. It's peaceful. You're looking at a meadow, a mountain, an ocean, whatever brings joy and peace to yourself. And you decide to write a letter to your children's children about what you learned about having a healthy relationship with yourself and money into it. What would be the theme or some components of that letter? Yeah, you know, it would be one sentence because I'm a man of few words. Mm -hmm. And it would say, uh, love yourself to life. So most of us love ourselves. We love our children. You know, we love our loved ones to death. And ultimately, if we can learn to love ourselves to life, we will experience the best of what life has to offer. Wow. Why do we say love yourself to death? It should be love yourself to life. That's a... yeah. (laughs) (laughs) thank you for sharing that simple but powerful thank you oh it's such great to hear your perspective i really really enjoy hearing you speak and i just feel you have such a genuine desire to help and yeah i'm just grateful for you coming on today if people want to hear more of of your work where would you point them to websites and any other resources Sure. Thanks for asking, Sean. So mm-hmm. uh, first things first, they can, if they want to learn more about how we help people metabolically, they can go to mymetabolicreset.ca and they can learn all about how we help people and how we coach them and, and the innovative system that we've created. If they want to go through a free 30-day program that I've created, which has 30 of my best tips to help people stay out of my office, so to speak, then they can go to 30in30.org. So it's 30in30.org. And there's a free opt-in for them where they can learn more about how to start, you know, getting healthy from the comfort of their home. Wonderful. So many more things I want to chat about, but I think this is wonderful. Yeah, I appreciate what you're doing. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Sean. It's been a pleasure and such an honor. Appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode with Sachin Patel. I really enjoyed this conversation. And I think... As Sachin pointed out numerous of times, our health is so important and we can shift to this creation mindset with implementing many of the techniques, tips that he pointed out today. Enjoy your week and see you next time.